Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is in the building. And today we have a very special guest, a man many of our listeners probably recognize, a fellow guest of the crypto community, known for Around the Blockchain and the BitBoy Crypto Show. DZ is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I am very excited for today's episode. Here we go. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how FTX is back in the news this week after making moves to hide the identities of those who posted bail. While the NFL is taking a strong stance on crypto, now banning all advertising from the Super Bowl. The Bank of England is announcing a plan to launch a central bank digital currency this week, mentioning Ripple as a solution for instant settlement. Hillary Clinton was working with the Algorand Foundation as Hedera Hashgraph is confirmed as an ISO compliant token. The AI wave is in full effect causing these specific projects to pump over 25% throughout the week. And with the digital transformation already underway, we break down the details, showing our listeners how this opportunity truly comes once in a lifetime. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I'm super excited for today's episode, not just because of the amazing news we have prepared, but we got DZ joining us this morning. So before we get to him, how you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. Well, Abs, I'm always feeling great. First of all, let me just start like I always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys. We appreciate you for showing up every single day. Gonzo, great to see you again. Like I say, there's no doubt that Clooney would be so jealous of that head of hair. And DZ, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, brother. We can't wait to hop into it. It's going to be a great show. Daisy, we often get a lot of confusion on our show. This is not George Clooney. This is our friend Gonzo, but Gonzo, always happy to see you. Got the bull run shirt on, and Jim Cramer seems to agree with you. Jim Cramer said it's a bull run. That makes me nervous. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great, man. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm just super excited. It's cool to have DZ here. You know, I remember first coming into space and and seeing around the blockchain and, and watching it. And so uh, for me, it's kind of like uh, a little bit surreal because like you get into space and then, you know, I met coach jv became part of the team and then we get to meet all these different content creators so it's just really cool it's going to be an exciting show awesome dz and i'm really excited to have you in the building this morning we've got a bunch of topics prepared but the main news for this week bank of england possibly working with ripple on developing a central bank digital currency i look forward to talking about that today but first how you feeling my friend and thanks for being here hey man feeling good uh let me just go ahead and apologize for the background behind me this is not my room this is not my normal studio i am in the basement where we do our twitch show and so this area is usually not on camera so that's why you see like just random wires and just a stain like what what is that what is that right there you i don't know, know. What? So it's a behind don't the focus scenes. on it too bad you get that behind the scenes access on good morning crypto so we appreciate it we appreciate it DZ. 
Appreciate it. Thank you. you, Again, let me just say real quick, thank you for uh, having me on. And Johnny, I don't know why you brought up a head of hair right before you talked about me. I mean, I don't know if that was personal or not, but (laughs) that's how I'm taking it. We're going to get the show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TG. I'm crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in moderate fear this morning. Actually, sorry, we are in greed sitting at a 58. And that could be because some of the daily movers. Some of the biggest movers we've got today is sand is up 15%. We're going to dive into the details about how Saudi Arabia may be using this blockchain. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.07 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 41% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 22,800. Ethereum, 1,600. XRP is 39 cents. Cardano is 39 cents. And we'll scroll down to one of our favorites. Quant Network is sitting at 138. But Daisy, we're going right back to you, my friend. We've been talking about how 2022 was brutal for the average investor, but 2023 has a more optimistic outlook. So what did you think about the bear market during 2022? I know you've been through several. And then how are you looking into 2023? Is this an optimistic year for you? It is an optimistic year. I'm, I'm a big proponent of the four-year Bitcoin cycle. And, you know, the trend is your friend until it comes to an end and then reverse it will send. But as of now, we just keep seeing this four-year cycle play out, keeps playing out, keeps playing out. And so I'm still a firm believer in that. That means if you are a believer in that, we are just now in the, the same period as January 2019. And if you look at Bitcoin's price history, I mean, I don't know if you could scroll it that way. Uh, it depends on what trading thing you're looking at. But January 2019, just look at the chart, everybody. That seems like a pretty good uh, price point to get into. So if this plays out, you know, as it has in the past, now is the time. It's a slow grind. I mean, that means we're not going to get our parabola until August, October, maybe September, October of 2025. So there's going to be a long, long period of accumulation. Uh, and you probably want to get most of your accumulating in in 23, not 24. And then make sure you take profits in 25. Ironically enough, we've got the Super Bowl banning cryptocurrency advertising this week, Johnny Crypto. And it's no surprise to us because we're not in a bull market, so they don't need us as exit liquidity. But I look forward to talking about several topics today. Let's start here. The Super Bowl is banning crypto television ads, specifically commercials involved in this industry. And it makes me laugh out loud because we know Crypto.com, crypto, uh, Coinbase, several prominent exchanges had uh, crypto advertising last year. So what does it mean to you, Rod? FTX. <laughs> well, well, first of all, you want to talk about hypocrisy off the chart. You couldn't get enough cryptocurrency ads last year. Now we're not even going to get one. It's just, it's just it's just completely hilarious at the end of the day. It's just kind of moving along with what's hot in the markets, right? And so, okay, this year, not going to do nothing. And then don't worry. In 2024 and 25, they'll be seeing crypto ads all over the place again. And DZ, I can assure you, it wasn't about your head of hair. Look at mine and you'll know exactly why we're all jealous of Gonzo's hair. Gonzo, before we get into our articles for today, we got 189 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got DZ in the building this morning, ladies and gentlemen. But Gonzo, I got to get your thoughts. We just saw Bitcoin turn slightly bullish and I saw an interesting chart in the news yesterday. An inverse Bitcoin chart looks more bearish than ever, which means that the regular version is more bullish than ever. What does it mean to you? Are you anticipating some bullish price action in the few coming weeks? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I think that what DZ brings up is a, is a good point where we kind of see these cycles repeat and we are believers in the four-year cycle. So I think we're going to see something where where we saw kind of like that automatic rally where Bitcoin went from like 3,000 at the bottom. It went to 13,000, rolled over, and then we went into that kind of the C-word crash. That was our spring and we moved up. So that's kind of what we're playing that. I think we're going to get to 30,000 at some point, maybe even a little bit higher. 
then roll over and come back down. Now, what we don't know is, are we going to make, uh, are we going to be just above the low? Are we going to match the low or are we going to go lower? Right. And so that's kind of what we're waiting for. But uh, yeah, 2023 will be an accumulation phase. DZ, for a while, we've been saying 2023 is the year of institutional adoption, and that may still be the case. But the more I study this market, the more we learn 2023 is the year of central bank digital currencies. And before we get into that, I wanted to get your comments on this tweet we had from Jeremy Hogan earlier this week. He said that he believes the XRP lawsuit could have a resolution in the next 45 days, or at least whether a ruling on whether XRP was sold as a security or not. I wanted to get your thoughts. What are you anticipating with the end of the lawsuit? We've addressed how the library case had a 3X. We went from one penny to three cents in just 24 hours after a resolution, and they lost that lawsuit. So what are you anticipating if we do get some positive momentum from the XRP case? Gain two pennies. I'm really excited about that. No, I'm just joking. It's not going to triple. I don't think it's going to triple. I think it will triple eventually, but I think that'll be mostly because Bitcoin is going up, not because of a a single ruling. I think you'll see a a huge price spike on a 24-hour candle if they get positive uh, ruling on that. Maybe 30%, maybe 40 50%. Just given the size of their market cap, it's going to be really hard for it to move beyond that. But I mean, we'll, we'll see every the thing about this, this 45 days left. Let me just, you know, splash a little cold water on this. You know, we've been following this case since what, December of 2020. And every time you hear some things like this judge or this attorney or this side, they have 60 days to do X and then 50 to five days pass by. And then they'll be like, well, now they did an injunction or they did it a continuance or they did an extension. And so there's always all the I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know, like, is this a final 45 days? Or is it going to see 43 days later and they filed a thing and now it's 90 days. So I'll just be a little bit uh, cautious about, you know, looking at these timelines and making sure that they play out because everything just seems like it just gets extended, extended, extended. Johnny, I got to get your take on this as well, because Gonzo brought up something important yesterday. The end of this lawsuit doesn't really mean much unless we get some mainstream adoption and we think that regulation could come into play. If we get the ruling that XRP was initially a security, but all secondary sales are now okay, they're not. That is going to be the green light for adoption, not only in America, but around the world. So I wanted to get your thoughts and then we'll kick it to Johnny Crypto. What does it mean to you, Gonzo? Uh, Oh, I thought you were going to Johnny Crypto. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, I think DZ is right. You know, like we've talked about it, like, you know, we're going to get some positive price action, but, you know, we still need adoption. You know, you still need to look at the total market cap and you need to see where we are. Right. Uh, and then I wouldn't be surprised. Like, and this is why I, I like, I hate dates. Right. And it's the court system, right? There's always something that can be overruled or can be extended or can be appealed. Right. And so well, that's what we talk about. Like the best case scenario is a settlement, right? Because then it's just done. Right. Because if they don't get a settlement, the SEC can still appeal it and then it just kind of strings it all out. Right. So then I, I try not to look at dates at all and then just try to be patient. Like I think being part of the XRP army, one of the biggest things that you've had to learn is patience. Right. Because, you know, we thought this case was only going to take a year, year and a half. We're now at the tier mark. And just imagine this. Right. Imagine if she rules that she doesn't want to make a decision on the investment contract decision or what have you, and says, this is better decided by a jury. Now we're like going into the summer, maybe to the end of the year. Right. And so that's what we talk about. Like a settlement will give it clarity, but you know, it's still going to take time. Johnny, I want to get your thoughts as well, but let me kick it back to DZ real quick because something interesting happened in 2018 and I referenced it to you guys before the show. So earlier in 2018, we had XRP reaching its all-time high 
And that was on the exact same day that XLM reached its all-time high, which we are yet to break. DZ, but while I pull that up in the background, I wanted to get your opinion. We often talked about how XRP and XLM move in unison. Are you anticipating any movement with Stellar in regards to the XRP lawsuit in and of itself? Yeah, of course. It'll, it'll piggyback off the gains. We're seeing the same exact thing play out with AI coins. You have Singularity, AGIX. If it gets a good 30% pump, you're going to see all the other ones kind of follow. and you'll So you're going to see it just continue to perform in lockstep. And I hate saying this because it's kind of ad- admonishment on the crypto community, but a lot of people just see an X and XLM and XRP and they're like, yeah, they're kind of the same. They kind of came out around the right time and yeah, they're, they're, they're similar, right? They're connected, right? They're doing the same thing, right? They, they might not even really dive into the details of what makes them similar, what makes them dissimilar. It's just going to just gonna see a little lockstep there. Do you believe this algorithm, this market is currently driven by algorithms? Why do you believe we saw this price momentum back in 2018? Anybody who doesn't remember, XRP reached over $200 billion in total market cap, passing up Ethereum at that date and becoming just below Bitcoin. But one of the things that's the most important detail it was not listed on any major exchanges, specifically in the United States. So, DZ, where did that liquidity come from? And could we see something similar in the future? It came from Bitcoin. It always comes from Bitcoin. Uh, you know, people don't really understand how many Bitcoin trading pairs there are and what Bitcoin trading pairs can do to a price. If Bitcoin pumps 10% and you have a BTC XRP trading pair, you're going to see a, a huge spike on that candle. And then a lot of times, Bitcoin will just kind of drag it up with it. You know, the BTC ETH pair will drag it up with it. And so you're always going to see uh, when you have a huge, huge Bitcoin price spike like we did in 2017, uh, December, all that money started to slowly bleed into Ethereum and then from Ethereum into the other alts, including XRP, including XLM. Awesome, DZ and Johnny Crypto. Please close us out for this topic. I'm excited to show our listeners a connection between the Hillary Clinton Foundation and Algorand. But before we get into that, please tell us what you think happened on January 4th, 2018. XLM and XRP both reached their all-time highs, and we are yet to break those price targets. But the most interesting part is they were not listed on any major exchanges in the United States. So it didn't take American exchanges to reach all-time highs. What's it mean to you, Roto? Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, I wasn't back in it back then. So I can't tell you what the narratives, what the stories were, what they were pushing back then. You know, you start to see a lot of that uh, hyper bull news coming out around certain things. So something obviously was going on there, Abs. But to be honest with you, at the end of the day, what happened in 2018 isn't important. What we care about, what's going to happen going forward, right? And at the well, end of the uh, not to cut you off, the, the main reason it was so high with the market cap is because the, the founder didn't dump his tokens yet. Ah, that's right. Let's call it. Let's call it like it is. He dumped all the tokens on you. You at home. If you yeah. bought XRP in the last three years, he dumped your tokens. He yeah. dumped his tokens on you. And you're talking about Jeb McCaleb specifically. McCaleb started dumping. That's right. I think he had up to a billion coins or something like that. And he was only able to dump so many over a certain amount of time. And boy, did he make billions over the past three or well, four years. And what's his face just finished? Was it Schwartz or I forget? S-C-H against his last name. But yeah, he just got done dumping. Yeah. Like a few months ago. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's really interesting detail there. One of the things I wanted to point out this morning is the fact that Hillary Clinton was connected to the Algorand Foundation yesterday, and we're showing our listeners the latest update as damn Mason Versluis tweeted out, Algorand Foundation CEO standing next to Hillary Clinton at an Algorand event. She made an announcement at this event for the new partnership between Algorand and a women's empowerment organization. Now, DZ, I know you got more details, so please fill our listeners in. Is this important? Does this mean we're going to see Algorand pump? Because typically, Hillary Clinton has some insight that the public does not. Well, I will say this. With the whole FTX debacle, there's definitely a, a lot of scrutiny when it comes to politicians and cryptocurrency. And so you got to know that Hillary and William, 
they did their due diligence when it came to the Algorand Foundation. Now, it isn't as important as Algo teaming up with Hillary and, you know, they're, they're having closed door meetings. It's the SEWA, which you said, you know, it's this female empowerment entrepreneurial thing in India for Indian women. And then they teamed up with Hillary and they teamed up with Algorand separately. And then they're all kind of combining for this nice little dinner. Will Hillary ever even say Algorand again over the next two years? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't think you're going to see her like wearing an Algo shirt, you know, pumping, pumping her fist at the next crypto rally anytime soon. If but fair enough, I, I, I think, think it's will. a good thing because they had to do their due diligence to make sure there's not going to be egg on their face teaming and, up with this foundation. And DZ, anybody who doesn't know, Hillary Clinton actually receives $250,000 for every private speech she gives to these bankers. And it's very similar to what Janet Yellen experienced. Coach JV, who's the leader of our academy, we got 290 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this news here. Coach JV broke down some details between Algorand and the Hillary Clinton Foundation. But Johnny, I want to get your thoughts before we get into it. What does it mean to you that Hillary is taking advantage of Algorand? And while the public is denying success between the crypto market, we've got some of our most prominent uh, politicians getting involved. Well, you know, we always talk about the rat snake weasel index, right? And, you know, we put Hillary on there. We know she's very, very close to the to the bottom of the rat snake weasel. But I think at the end of the day, Abs, you actually said it best off the air. It's, it's just another opportunity for the Clinton Foundation to funnel some money. So who knows what's going to happen here, how the whole thing's going to play out, what it all means at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, for Algo itself, the technology, we like it. We know that, again, we don't know which horses are going to win this race, but certainly that's one of those where I want to make sure – yeah, I've got some of that in my bags as we go into the future because um, I think it's a good technology. DZ, a, pro a project that we often reference on our channel is HBAR, also known as Hedera Hashgraph. And we got some pretty interesting news for our listeners this morning. As HBAR was confirmed to be an ISO compliant token, and one of the reasons I think this is so important is because these ISO protocols go into effect on March 20th 2023, which is very, very soon. I can remember when it was early 2020 and we were talking about these dates. It seemed like forever. Now it's only about 30 days away, DZ. So what does it mean to you that ISO protocols are coming into effect? Do you believe we could see a pump in many of the compliant tokens? I think we will see a, many, uh, a big pump in a lot of those tokens. It's one of the reasons I, I'm not super bullish on XRP being this uh, big payment rails network. Uh, to me, it almost seems like it's going to happen on Ethereum. It uh, seems like that's kind of how they're setting themselves up with the proof of stake and everything. But uh, the HBAR, you know, my main thing with Hedera is I think they have a marketing problem. I, I think, you know, you just kind of look at their name, look at the, you know, it's, it's HBAR, it's Hedera, it's Hashgraph. What do I call this thing? And to mm -hmm. me, it's, they have fundamental branding issues. People want bit in it. They want coin in it. You know, Doge coin. Uh, you know, people are dumb. So when retail comes in, they're like, H, I don't even, Habar, what, what is this? And so to me, that's the that's my main complaint with HBAR. But it is great tech. But sometimes, you know, look, I'm in Cardano. Tech doesn't always equal hype. You know, it's sometimes mm -hmm. you got to have like the little hype beast. I see people asking about Hex. You got to incorporate a little but Richard Hart does if you want your crypto to succeed. And HBAR, they're antithetical to any kind of marketing. Somebody commented, ISO means nothing. Holy crap. That's a really interesting comment with some bold predictions there, Johnny, because apparently it does not mean anything. From the 20th of March, 2023, the, ex the entire exchange of messages between and within these three platforms will be based exclusively on ISO standards. This allows the financial institution to control all of, all of its service-related activities into central banks' money via a singular account. So this is a huge benefit to the banking institutions. What does it mean to you, Johnny Crypto, that this is going to affect on March 20th, 2023? 
you know, it's the next step of evolution into digital currency, digital money. And, you know, I'm in the technology field and we talk about it all the time that you need to have certain standards so that people know how to integrate things into it. And that's what you're seeing is the beginning of that happening here. So to say that it means nothing, you know, just tells me that's somebody that's probably not familiar with the technology world. But no, apps, they will certainly have a plan to it. This is, but remember, guys, we're so damn early, it feels late that the, the thing is, we're just in the beginning of how this whole thing's going to play out. And remember, that's a messaging system. We know in the long run, most likely, Swift, Swift is archaic, right, apps? So most likely to re be replaced by some other system, whether it's Ethereum, XRP, who knows what the final rails and what the entire system is going to look like. But to me, this is just Swift trying to stay alive. But it certainly will have some impact, no question about it. You, the standards are necessary at this point in time. DZ, I just wanted to spend another minute on this topic because, oh, sorry, Gonzo, I saw you had some comments before we kick it to DZ. I'm going to you. No, I was just going to say, DZ, be careful. They're going to call you an ETH Maxi like they call me when you make those comments. <laughs> You're going to sound like me, bro. I get, I, I'm usually the ETH Maxi on the show. We call him the Ethereum expert, but that's for good reason, Gonzo. That's not some humble brag, my friend. But one of the things we've been talking about throughout the week, DZ, is how Elon Musk actually referenced Brad Garlinghouse in the SEC lawsuit. And we found some interesting connections between Brad Garlinghouse, David Schwartz, and Elon Musk. So I wanted to briefly break this down. Brad, previously, Brad Garlinghouse tweeted, the SEC wants you to think that it cares about disclosure, transparency, and clarity. Do not believe them. When the truth eventually comes out, the shamefulness of their behavior here will shock you. Elon Musk not only agrees, he took the time to sarcastically respond and say, no way, DZ. I thought that to be very interesting. But back in 2021, he also referenced XRP indirectly. On February 11th, 2021, this was peak bull run. He tweeted out that there was one coin to rule them all. Now, Bitcoin is the coin in the ring. We can see at the top of this list, XRP is there. So we know he's aware of the currency. Why do you believe he hasn't acknowledged it publicly? And do you think there is going to be a massive shift once Twitter integrates payments of the adoption of these real tokens such as XRP? LM, XRP, and so on. Uh, part of the reason is uh, Brad Garlinghouse dumping his tokens on you. Brad dumped his tokens on you. How does that feel? Uh, I'm kind of just joking here, but I, I don't think, you know, I think it is BTC, one coin to rule them all. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, we got to show some respect to Nakamoto and, uh, you know, the white paper and everything kind of leading to this point is all because of, you know, the crypto punk ethos and what they've done to help propel cryptocurrency in the trustless peer-to-peer -peer payment system that we all know and love i don't think elon is going to be doing anything with xrp why would he it's this legacy bank token that is what they're trying to be right they, they want to be a banker's token so why would he have anything to do with that when his whole thing is dogecoin super inflated you know i love that 100 billion are made every year you know that's what kind of makes it a good currency and it's just totally different than xrp you know you talk to a I don't want to say average XRP maxi, but you talk to some XRP maxis and they have this idea of, yeah, it's going to be this payment rail system and a token will be worth $589. Why would he want that when he's kind of saying, no, I want the inflated token that is only worth a nickel. And so it's, it's two completely different strategies. So why would he ever want something that is going to be uh, maybe out of reach for the late uh, participants? He wants people to be able to get in late and then still not have to pay an arm and a leg for a token. Completely agree with you. And Johnny, I know you got some thoughts, but I wanted to read this real quick. The SEC previously sued Tesla back in 2018. And anybody who's been following that case knows that after the resolution, Tesla had the most profitable 24-month trading period in the history of the U.S. stock market. And that's why I like to apply this to what Ripple is going through today. Many times, we've seen it with Microsoft, we saw it with Amazon, we saw it with Tesla. The SEC goes after companies that they believe are going to be influential. And I think Elon Musk understands that much better than most. So him referencing Ripple and saying no way to the fact that the SEC is doing nefarious things behind the scenes, 
I think it really points to the fact that Ripple knows things the general public does not. We can talk about the him and emails in a few minutes, but Johnny, first, what does it mean to you? <clears throat> well, you know, as I've talked about in this case, Abs, if it smells like a funky fish and flops like a funky fish, it's damn fishy. There's something weird going on with this case. We know it's dragging on two and a half years. We've got delays, as DZ talked about earlier. Every time there's supposed to be a decision, we get another delay, another delay. I mean, let's face it, we don't know the agenda behind the scenes, but it took the Nexo case like three days for the SEC to settle with them, right? And then here around two and a half years almost before this thing ends. So, we, you know, we don't know what's happening other than just feels like some reason the SEC wants to suppress, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't like Brad, something's going on there. I don't know what's happening there, Babs, but certainly doesn't smell right. Something weird that it's taking so long. And oh, by the way, just so you know, the judge, doesn't have a limit. She, they literally said she could take however much time she wants to decide in this case. So like, okay, she's been in the case two and a half years and now we need another 45 days or whatever it is. Jeremy thinks, or, you know, you've heard all, all the way up to maybe nine months before we get an answer. So very, uh, let, let me, let me spend this moment to attack a viewer real quick. Someone said, uh, you know, Brad dumping XRP is the same as Vitalik dumping. Sure, okay, but what that is, that's a whataboutism. You never want to be an arguer that uses a whataboutism as a very, very weak argumentative tactic. And yeah, Vitalik uh, does, he just sold a, a, a significant portion of Ethereum, but it is a little bit different than uh, Brad dumping on a regular basis. I, you'd have to look at his emission schedule, but I, I want to say it was like every three months or every 30 days or every, maybe it was 90, I want to say, but just a very systematic dumping of his XRP tokens. And Vitalik dumping is also bad. They're both bad. So yeah. saying, hey, Brad did was bad, but they're bad over there. So now Brad's not as bad. No, I'm saying they're both bad. But we did read an interesting article, DZ, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, where I think it was Ripple was found to have bought 8.4 billion XRP off of the secondary sales in the market. They had made 2.9 billion in profit. And of that 2.9 billion, 2.7 went back into XRP and purchasing for secondary sales. And I'd like to hear your take on that. Is that to inflate the price? Why do you believe Ripple's doing that? We've broken to their, their leasing contracts in the past. We know that they leased out XRP to FTX and other companies. Do you believe that could be what's going on? Well, why do crypto protocols market buy their own coin? That is a good question. I don't know. You know, what's one of the, the most famous coins that does that is Hex. What did it do to Hex's price? Pumped it hard. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe that was just a byproduct. And they, they, the reason they bought had nothing to do with price action. Maybe, maybe. That's not the world I choose to live in, though. <laughs> Absolutely, Johnny Crypto. And we got 340 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I want to give a shout out to Susie Gemini. She's back in the building. We missed you this week. So thank you for being here, Susie. Always happy to see you. DZ, I am super excited to dive into this news. And this is our largest topic for today. As the Bank of England mentions Ripple and its new CBDC consultation paper, and there's a possibility they could be working together. So this is brand new news, guys. I want to remind this. Somebody said this article is from 2017. This article was published yesterday. So I just want to reiterate that. Yesterday, the Bank of America and the UK Treasury published a consultation paper on the digital pound, a UK central bank digital currency, mentioning the technology that Ripple is building at one point. In page 116 of the document, the Central Bank of England describes why it is considering launching a CBDC and what that might look like. This year, the Central Bank of England wants to gather public opinions through this consultation. And if the decision is made in favor of launching a digital pound, it could come as early as 2025. However, they plan on cash remaining in circulation as the CBDC would only serve as a supplement. So before we dive into the ripple details here, DZ, I'd like to get some of your thoughts on the CBDC narrative we're seeing playing out today. What are you anticipating here on a global scale? Before we dive into the Ripple News, we've got over 95% of global GDP currently working on a central bank digital currency. And anybody who watches our show, and I'm sure watches yours, 
knows that they're trying to convince us crypto bad, CBDC good. And I feel like our job is to prove the exact opposite. So maybe you can give your two cents here and then we'll continue with the article. Well, CBDCs, uh, what does it mean? Control, 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 control. And I'm talking about the Canadian trucker situation on steroids. And I don't mean friendly steroids like The Rock takes or uh, John Cena takes. No, I mean like the crazy Bane steroids. So yeah, we're going to see a lot of controls, a lot of limits on what you spend. I don't know how close we are, if it'll really happen in America. Like, oh, you tweeted about Biden or Trump. So now we've limited your purchases. Mm-hmm. They probably wouldn't be transparent about it. You just, your app would stop working and you wouldn't know why and there'd be no answer. So yeah, th- it is going to be a very, very bad thing. I, I do think though, there's going to be a bright side. Let me let me paint you the, the bright picture, the, the rainbow at the end of this stark and stormy cloud here. What might end up happening is everyone gets a little bit more familiar with blockchain technology, gets a little bit more familiar with sending crypto peer to peer. And the example I always like to give with, look, this adoption can happen. And I always reference smartphone use. I'm older. I'm I'm pushing 40, y'all. So I remember when smartphones first came out and I remember every boomer in the world rejecting them. I will never. How do you? I could. Hear that, Johnny? I'm happy with this. I flip. I don't even do that. I got a rotary. You go forward seven years from that, and then guess what? All the grandmas and grandpas, they're opening up their smartphone, and they're pulling up Facebook. So the adoption happened because it was forced. And so I think if they're forced to pay their light bill with the CBDC, it won't be that hard for them to learn how to interact with the Bitcoin uh, blockchain network. It won't be that hard for them to interact with maybe Monero. It won't be that hard for them to interact with privacy tokens on whatever chain. So I think there is a little bit of a bright spot there. It's just going to, we'll see what kind of systems they put on the duopoly that is Android and Apple. Thank you, DZ. And I wanted to get Johnny Crypto's take on this as well. As we know, they were referenced within this document, Johnny, but let's actually show our listeners a clip of Tucker Carlson referencing the dangers of central bank digital currencies and the fact that they are pushing this on us very, very quickly for a specific reason. We're going to let this short clip play and then go back to the group here, guys. Here we go. As the financial system gets more controlling and more invasive, it's a little bit like bringing up a corral around us. And CBDCs, central bank digital currencies and vaccine passports or digital IDs are sort of the last uh, shutting of the gate. It's hard for many people to imagine the risks here because we're so used to living with financial transaction freedom. And we don't understand that when this gate closes on us, we literally will be sitting in a system where the central banks believe that our assets belong to them and they can dictate where we can spend money and what we can spend money on. Um, The important thing to understand is central bank digital currencies are not currencies. It's a financial transaction control grid and it gives the ability for the central bankers, and they've said this publicly, the ability to not only set set the rules centrally, but enforce the rules centrally. If you don't behave, you can have your money turned off. If you do not behave, you can have your money turned off. And DZ, I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well, but let's start with Johnny Crypto. Johnny, this is on Fox News, and I love the title of this article. It says, CBDCs will bring complete government control, social credit score systems, and more surveillance all of those narratives are the exact opposite of what we like here in America. But the fact that Tucker Carlson is telling about this tells me two things. One, are we being programmed to accept this technology? Or two, is he actually warning us about the dangers of these impending CBDCs? Well, you know, first of all, she's absolutely right. People in America don't understand, right? We've got the degrees of freedom. We've never had, you know, if you go to China, it's a completely different feeling. But the reality is we absolutely know how dangerous these things can be. 
right? Being able to say you can no longer save money because your money expires or, hey, you can only spend it here. You could spend it there. Or, you know, yeah, DC says something on his show and then the next thing you know, half of his money's missing. You know, that is a very, very dangerous, slippery slope that we all need to be concerned about. But the reality is apps, we can't stop it. There ain't no way you're stopping a CBDC. That's just not going to happen at this point. Um, it's just the, the banks removing that middle man in between so that now they're more directly connected to the consumer. And that's a very dangerous, risky place. And we're not supposed to be there, by the way. If you look at the Constitution, that's not supposed to happen, but it's going to happen. And so now the question is, what are gonna, people going to do? My guess is it's so similar along the lines of what DZ was saying. As people become more familiar with the technology and they realize nobody gets it right now, right? Nobody's paying attention. Everybody's watching Logan Paul videos. Nobody's watching this. There's like 3 million people on Fox, a million viewers, right? So when people realize what can happen to them, I think that's when they're going to seek alternatives. That's when they're like, hey, what's this Bitcoin thing? Or what's this other thing? Things that are decentralized to maybe get around the system. The question is, is the government going to ban that stuff so that there is no out? That's what we need to keep our eye on, in my opinion. She said, this allows the banks to treat the money in your account as if it's already theirs. But anybody who knows about fractional reserve lending knows your money's not in the bank. 97% of your income can be lent out, and that can be lent out at a multiple. So the reality is that probably 0% of the dollars you deposit are still sitting in the bank account that you went and dropped that off at. But I wanted to get your thoughts on CBDCs. What do you believe an alternative to this narrative is here? I just want to give you the open floor. What are your thoughts on CBDCs and what we can do to combat this issue? Well, we're definitely moving to a cashless society. I do want to, uh, you know, he had a viewer bring up a good point. They did shut down a couple of Bitcoin uh, payment systems for the truckers, but those were highly publicized Bitcoin donation sites. Uh, yeah. It wasn't like, hey, I'm walking up to the protest line. I see a guy. Hey, I, I like what you're doing shoot me your Bitcoin address real quick. I give them a hundred bucks. They, they really can't stop that. Now what they can do is stop your bank account. But if we move to, you know, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, one XRP equals one XRP, you'll be able to purchase eggs, meat, you know, from a farmer's deli, you'll be able to send them Bitcoin, you know, you'll be able to go somewhere else and say, Hey, uh, you know, I have this entity it's overseas and I funnel everything through that. And then I have this LLC that connects to that. And that's how I pay my light bill. So you might even be able to, in a weird roundabout way, pay your light bill with Bitcoin. And so there are, there are methods for freedom. We just have to continue to fight for them. We have to continue to keep pushing back against this narrative. And we have to continue to reject this control narrative that they're going to just shove down our throats. It's going to happen sooner or later. Always let me, let me share a narrative right quick. And we need to copy the tobacco industry. Uh, I'm sorry, not tobacco, the gun, the gun lobby, gun lobbies. They fight tooth and nail to, mm -hmm. for the second amendment rights. I don't care what happens. They're out there. No, we refuse to give up anything. What we can't do is what the tobacco industry did. Tobacco industry said, hey, everybody, you can smoke in a hospital. You can smoke in an airplane. You can smoke everywhere, baby. It's it's Wild West. It's awesome, right? We're, you're the Marlboro Man. You're the Marlboro Man. You're Joe Camel. But then they said, all right, all right, we'll move to this section of the restaurant. Okay, all right. Well, they kind of got corralled. They should have fought tooth and nail. Then it went from, all right, all right. Well, now you're relegated to the bar. Well, you know what? They should have fought tooth and nail. All right, all right. Now you're outside. What the heck is, you know, they're looking at, they're smoking on the sidewalk. All right. All right. 40 feet from the building. And why? Because they didn't fight for it. So if we could, we can do what, you know, the second amendment people do, or we could do what the tobacco people, people did. And I think one strategy might end up working better than the other. So we got to fight, baby. We got to fight.
We got to fight Johnny Crypto. I'm smoking in that kid's face. I'm both smoking the baby's face. <laughs> this is America, Johnny Crypto, and we're one of the only countries that has freedom for a reason. Somebody talked about how this technical technical evolution that we're going through only takes place once in a lifetime. And our good friend, Mark Yusko, shared similar sentiment, Johnny. We are going to have Mark Yusko on the show this Friday, guys. So if you enjoy these comments and want some more details, join us Friday at 11 a.m. for more. But DZ, we're going to let the short clip play and go back to you here, my friend. Here we go. Adoption of technology, this evolution. It's not a revolution, it's an evolution of technology that everything of value will be a token on a blockchain. Not a coin, not a thing. It's literally a line item on a public ledger. Everything of value will be that. And every transaction of value will happen in digital assets. Wipe out all of DTC. I love that clip there because it gets me excited. We've referenced this before. The traditional asset market is going to move into crypto, and we've yet to see that underway. But somebody like Mark Yusko, who manages over a billion dollars in crypto assets, I believe it's over $2 billion at this point, he's referencing the tokenization of everything. He's been very critical of XRP and some of the other altcoins. But now, after coming on our show and several others, we've seen his sentiment change. He's more accepting of Ethereum. He's more accepting of Solana and some of these other tokens. So I'd like to get some of your opinions on the tokenization of everything and what blockchains you believe are going to profit the most easy. I know that Hedera Hashgraph currently has 3 billion products already tokenized on their network. Well, the tokenization, let me just push back against the narrative. The tokenization of everything is bullcrap. It's not going to happen, all right? It's going to be rules for thee, not for me. Do you really think that the Pentagon is going to have everything tokenized on you know what they're supposed to do with their budget? Do you think the Defense Department is going to have that? Do you think all these uh, other countries that maybe there are sanctions against this country, but damn if that oil ain't cheap. you know. Oh, damn if that nickel, that cobalt. I really want to get that cobalt. I don't care what they say. Do you th- I mean, so there won't be a tokenization of everything. It'll be a tokenization of my bank account. There'll be a tokenization of your bank account, but it will, it'll be a rules for thee, not for me situation. And that's the worst case scenario, Johnny Crypto, but I think it plays into the exact narrative that you constantly say central bank digital currencies are going to be considered good and tokenization of regular assets onto decentralized blockchains. Well, that's considered bad and dangerous. So I'm going to give you the open floor here and then we'll continue with our articles. What does it mean to you, my friend, Johnny Crypto? Yeah, you know the narrative. You know what they want, right? They're not going to, they don't want us to have an out. We know what's coming, right? And it's, it's CBDC is going to have the control. How do you, how do you stop that, right? How do they minimize it? And so you'll see, I think that'll be very constricted. And, and DC's right in terms of tokenization. That goes with anything. If you look at the system we operate today, there's two sets of rules, especially the justice system, right? There are certain people that are untouchable, what we call above the law. And then there's everybody else that we all have to live by those rules. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. And it isn't going to change until, you know, people step up and do something about it, which those days are over too. So it is what it is, Abs. I think we're, we're, we're stuck with the system. We just have to figure out when we look at cryptocurrencies, what's exciting about it is we all know there's another bull room coming. And the question is, how do you position yourself to put yourself to change your life and you know, create generational wealth for your family moving forward? And I think that's why we're all excited here is those opportunities are going to be coming. Not only this bull run, right? But as we change and we evolve into, as we go to Web 2 to Web 3, you'll see opportunities like there was at Amazon back in the dot-coms back in the 90s, in the early 90s. People were smart and hold on. I think you're going to be able to see a lot of them are going to be able to change, change their life trajectory. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. And we got 377 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And DZ, one of the biggest comments we're getting in the live chat is, why does DZ hate XRP? I hold XRP, everybody. <laughs> I don't hate XRP. I just, I have to throw a little cold water on this this flame that is $589 per token. It's not going to happen. All right, it's not going to happen. There's Calm been down, people. Like, get, get you got to be, 
you got to be non-emotional about it. People take profits. Mm, right? Yeah, you know what? When it pumps yeah. up to eight dollars, and I sold some at four, I sold some at five, I sold some at six. I'm gonna be the one that's happy. When the, the people are like, "Nah, man, uh, you know, five hundred eighty-nine dollars," and the next thing you know, it drops to a dollar next bear market, and it went all the way up to six, and you took zero profit. You're gonna be mad, all right? So I'm just trying to help people. I just want people's Easy. bags to be fat. Yeah. yeah, DZ, how long how long have you how long have you been in in crypto? Like, what what got you started in crypto? Kind of, how did you meet Ben? Well, like, my, oh, well, uh, I mean, I could talk about you know when I first discovered Bitcoin and everything. I, I think it's similar to a lot of people's journey. You know, buying drugs off Silk Road. Uh, I, I'm joking, I'm joking, <laughs> but that's, that's uh, there you go. You know, shout out to Luke Stavely. You know, I'll just I'll just let that story trail off. But no, I started working at uh, Bitboy Crypto. Right, we're pushing about two years right now. I was gonna help them with the NFT trading card game. I was a former professional Magic the Gathering streamer. I was uh, on a team and everything. I was a full-time Twitch streamer. But then uh, we end up not doing the trading card game, and I end up basically producing around the blockchain. Probably six months after producing, TJ, who's our CEO, he was actually the host. He's like, man, I can't do this anymore, man. And so uh, they, I was like, hey, I'll do it. They, they basically said, hey, get in the batter's box. I didn't strike out. They're like, all right. Nice. He, he bunted. He got to first. Well, we'll leave him in the game and see what happens. Thank yeah, you. Nice. I, I just wanted to get one more question in here before we show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto. Many people are experiencing their first bear market right now, and a lot of retail investors turn to channels like ours to express the truth while the mainstream media is pointing them away from this market. So if you could just share some similar sentiment about what you've experienced in the past and what you're going through today. What are you anticipating when we do inevitably come out of this bull market? Are we going to see something similar to what we've seen in the past? Here's just good general advice. You're going to move too quickly when it comes time to make money. Uh, AKA you're going to deploy your capital too quickly. You're going to move too slowly when it's time to protect your capital. Uh, my recent example is I saw what was happening to FTX and Solana. I had a bag, a little bag of FTT, you know, a lar slightly larger bag of Solana. I didn't sell any. I didn't move fast enough. And then next thing you know, it's like four hours later, the God candle happened, you know, the, the, the devil candle, I should say. Mm -hmm. And I didn't move, you know, I was too slow to protect my capital. But when things were, you know, 16K, I was a little too greedy with alts. And then, you know, I maybe should have had some money on the sidelines because there are a lot of things that just continue to fall, continue to fall. Could have been a really, really good opportunities that I missed out on because I moved basically too quickly at that moment. So just be careful. Look, things are going to go down. And also just a second heuristic, just general advice. Do the opposite of what your emotions tell you to. You start feeling too greedy. That's when it's time to sell. You start feeling too fearful. Oh, my God, it's all a scam. Maybe Bitcoin does go to 10K. That's when it's time to buy. Thank you, DZ. And we're about to show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto. And after that, we're going to dive into some of the most important articles for today. So smartest way to track your crypto. Here we go. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto.
It's the smartest way to track your crypto, guys. And for good reason, you've heard it before. But when you check out this news here from John Deaton, this is something I think our listeners should be aware of. So John Deaton's a prominent XRP and crypto lawsuit, uh, sorry, crypto lawyer in our community. He said, I'm sorry, but as someone who's been around the best and brightest lawyers in the world for the past 25 years, both the plaintiffs and the defense side, I've yet to meet a lawyer worth $400,000 per day. And DZ, that's what FTX is currently paying his defense lawyers in this case. We also got some more details from a prominent Fox reporter, Eleanor, who said that they are working diligently to hide the identities of the people who posted the money for his bail. So we can take this any direction you'd like. But what do you think about Sam Bankman-Fried paying $400,000 a day in order to not go to jail? I mean, we don't know the scope of it. And from the initial reports I've heard is much, much, much larger than the Bernie Madoff scale. And that was, uh, you know, I think the largest SEC case at any given time. Uh, it's as far as the assets seized. And so there's going to be a lot of clawbacks. I don't know if it's worth 400K. I mean, I'm not that guy. If, if you're a billionaire, it probably is. If you're OJ Simpson and Johnny Cochran says 400K, but I get you off, it's probably worth it. Was the glove don't fit? You must have quit. Was that worth 400 million? Probably to him. So I don't, I'm not in there. I don't know how many armies of suits they have in there, uh, but it's, if it gets him, uh, if it prevents him from dropping the soap, it's probably worth every dollar. Johnny Crypto, as somebody who knows about dropping the soap, what do you think of this news here? And I'm only kidding. I'm only joking, of course, for our listeners. But I just wanted to get your thoughts here. Sam bankman fried doing everything I can to hide the identities of the people who posted bail. What does that mean to you, my friend? And why do you believe he's working so hard to hide their identities? Abs, I'm sure you know there's soap on a rope. That's the reason why they created it. So I don't know where you're coming from. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, listen, like DZ said, you're going to pay whatever you got to pay to get your ass out of jail. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, you know, no, nobody wants to have to worry about whether they need soap on a rope. So, you know, for, from that perspective, I just think it's uh, we'll, we'll see how this whole thing plays out. Thank you. And I wanted to get some thoughts on this as well, DZ. We've got artificial intelligence coins popping off over the last week. Many projects doing a 25% rally and people believe it has to do with the chat GPT news. The AI narrative is coming in at the perfect time because we're seeing replacement of jobs while we're getting central bank digital currencies and eventually universal basic income. We are not an advocate for universal basic income on our show, but we understand Andrew Yang was talking about it on the Joe Rogan experience over five years ago. This is something that's been in the works for over a decade. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts on artificial intelligence replacing jobs, as well as the incorporation of universal basic income in order to, to, to replace that issue. Yeah, the AI thing is definitely happening. I think we're moving from a creator economy to a conductor economy. So those who can conduct the AIs, I think, I think right now we have this like little sweet spot uh, if you're a lawyer, you probably have 12 to 18 months where you can quintuple or even 10x your billable hours just by using some AI. Uh, if you're a graphic designer, you know, there's this little window where you're going to be able to utilize these things and still have the old pricing models. So I think the whole pricing model is going to change. And then that's when we'll really start to consider the conductor economy. Uh, what, what was the other question you're asking? Uh, we talk about how central bank digital currencies are coming in at the perfect time. Oh, UBI, UBI. All right, here's the thing with UBI. Uh, I was a, I was pretty for it back in the day. You know, five years ago, Andrew Yang first talking about, I was like, you know what, UBI, I think there is going to be a need for this. You know, I'm envisioning this iRobot type world. Uh, this was before Will Smith slapped anybody. So, I, you know, it could be pretty scary, right? There, there could be a lot of jobs taken. I, I dropped out of school for accounting to become a Twitch streamer, pro magic player. Part of the reason was, AI is going to be, uh, you know, it's one of the main jobs that's going to be replaced in the coming decades, uh, similar to like truck drivers, right? If I was a truck driver in truck driving school, I'd be like, what the hell am I doing here right now? But I, I don't think UBI is going to work. And I only say that because of what happened in 2020. I found when people did get free money, 
they got very used to not working and people looking for right. any excuse to not work. And I used to think, no, you know, there's the guys like, well, you can live in poverty, but if you just work at McDonald's, you'll kind of have a, a better life, you know? And I, I used to think, man, there's going to be a lot of people who, who reject that life of poverty and they'll say, I want to be something better. And I think that the latest uh, two years, last two years, kind of proved that I don't think that's the case or three years. I don't think that is the case. I think you're going to have a lot of people are just happy plugging in to this thing, absorbing. They have, you know, pornography at their fingertips. They have dopamine releases at their fingertips. They have content at their fingertips. And I, I don't think that uh, UBI is really going to help that problem. I think it's going to make it worse. And it sucks. It's a really bad issue. But I, I just think that people left to their own devices have not been proven reliable because these things have been weaponized. They've been weaponized against us. And it's the world's brightest mind trying to get us addicted to this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe UBI would work 40 years ago when we don't have smartphones that we can glue to. But now that there is something where we can literally just be a couch potato and just absorb, 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 absorb and contribute nothing to society. I think you'll have a significant portion opt out for that. And then that'll just lead to the destruction. Yeah. And, you know, just to build on that, Abs, it's a very dangerous area to go there because think about what you're doing. You're decentivizing people to actually innovate. Think of those people that are going to be sitting there on their couch, playing with their phone, collecting a paycheck, a thousand bucks a month, which is peanuts, right? But if that person wasn't getting that free money, they're going to go out and they're going to scrap. They're going to go do something. And some of those people might have been very innovative people that maybe would have turned into something. But now you'll never see that because that opportunity is lost because they say, hey, I'm happy with my 12 grand a month. I'm happy collecting you know, a few peanuts and I get to do nothing all day. So that's a very, very sad society. And, and you know, I, I think DZ's right. I don't think there's a way to stop it. I think they, they, you know, Yang started spitting it out to subliminally program people. It's already out there and it's probably going to come and they'll use the CBD system, right? To do it. Think about it. It's very simple. Here it is. You're going to get this so much. Just sign up for this app and you're going to get this and boom, it, it'll start out probably something simple like that and grow over time. It's a very, very sad place if we get there. And by the way, where's the money coming from? Huh? <laughs> you're gonna, you start giving about people more free money. Guess what you're doing? You're just devaluing the money you're giving them. So if you give them $1,000, it's not even worth that by the time they even receive it. It's a bunch of horse bullshit. But again, people are lazy. They don't want to work. And unfortunately, this system, you know, there are going to be a lot of people that fall into saying, hey, yeah, sign me up for that. Not me, but a lot of people are going to be in that camp to, to take that free money. Gonzo, I know you had some additional comments as well, so I'm kicking it right back to you. But something that sticks out to me within the crypto community in particular is a lot of people made money doing nothing in 2020. This was a bull market. You could have known nothing about Bitcoin, listened to a friend, put money in it. All of a sudden, now you're in Miami and you're spending $50,000 at the nightclub. We witnessed that in 2020. We saw it. $6 million was spending cryptocurrency at the top four nightclubs in Miami during the bull run of 2021. Do you know how much money was spent in 2022, DZ? Less than $10,000 worth of crypto deposits. And what does it tell me? The fast money has left this market. And people talk about how cryptocurrency, we have a problem here because everybody thinks they're a genius because in 2020, they made cash. There's a difference between an investor and somebody who's just looking for quick cash. And I think there's a lot of those people in this market today, but we got 424 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. DZ, very happy to have you in the building this morning. But Gonzo, I want to get some thoughts from you. What's on your mind, my friend? Um, yeah, you know, as far as like the AI and the cryptocurrency narrative, I mean, you could see all the projects they are absolutely running, right? And we know that cryptocurrency and AI is going to combine somehow, but we just don't know how, right? And we're, I, you know what I feel like it's like? It's like, what happened at, like in November of what, 2020, when uh, Facebook changed their name to Meta, right? And all the gaming uh, 
projects just ran, right? If it had gaming in it or metaverse, they just absolutely took off, right? And then what happened? Eventually, so we went into that speculation phase and then the hype phase, and then eventually it died down and all those projects came crashing back down. Granted, it took us into our bear market, but those projects that were kind of still building kind of have been rising to the top recently. And I think it'll be the same thing with these AI projects, right? We're, right now we're in this pure speculation FOMO phase and everything is running up, but eventually what will happen is they're going to come back to earth and then you'll have to focus on the actual projects that are building real utility and they're actually using AI. I mean, if you look at uh, GRT, right? It's not even really like an AI uh, no. project. It uses, um, uh, it, it indexes- API like, data, um, yeah. Exactly, right? It indexes uh, blockchain data, right? It, uh, on, on the Ethereum blockchain, right? So you're able to like index stuff. So like if you want to search smart contract information, but look how it's ran, it's absolutely ran and it has nothing to do with AI. And that just tells you that we're kind of in a pure FOMO speculation phase. So just be careful out there. DZ, I got a couple of questions for you, but one of the things Coach JV always talks about is how this is purposeful. The infinite printing is to remove the middle class. We're creating a massive divide where if you're born into- Is it? I disagree. We can talk about it because I think there's there's a divide between if you're born into an economic class and let's say to become a middle class citizen in 2030, you can't do it through universal basic income. You can't do it without creating your own company. But many of those opportunities are being annexed out of the market today. So let's have a quick back and forth. What do you believe about uh, universal basic income? Is that a threat to the middle class? Because eventually you may need to be a millionaire before you're even considered a middle class citizen in America. I mean, uh, the middle class is shrinking. I don't, I don't think there's any kind of removal of that trend uh, in the, in the near term but i don't i wouldn't consider it's ubi's fault or anybody else's fault i think we are going to see a, a shrinking of it it's going to be the poorest someone in the chat actually brought up a good point you know with ubi basically what you're going to do is you're going to have the lazy people and they're just going to become more and more poor as you know time marches on and then you're going to have the ambitious people and they're going to end up owning more more and more and more as time goes on so it's like we're almost going to have a, a dark ages like serfdom type of uh, situation it seems like uh, so I, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking it's going to help. It's going to hurt directly, but I, I do think you know I don't want to say the middle class is under attack or anything like that. I don't think it's that insidious. I don't think it's that you know it's that smart. I, I think we're running at a deficit, and then that deficit is just going to increase and increase and increase and increase. And those who own assets are going to benefit from inflation, and those who don't own assets are going to be hurt by inflation. And so I think we're just going to have this: those who own and those who don't, and. Th the lose, losing the middle class is more of just a byproduct of that. Because if you think, what is the middle class? And this is, I'm really just kind of come up with this thought at the top of my head. To me, I think of the middle class, I think of, you know, maybe 50 years ago, and you got a family where just the man is working alone, and he can afford a house, three bedrooms, two kids, put maybe one or two kids through college. And, you know, that's an American dream. But really, I'm starting to think, well, that's just an owner. That's a guy who, or a person who owned a home, you know, maybe had a job. They owned equity in this thing. And inflation really hasn't evolved, uh, evolved to where it is today. So we're just removing those who own. And then those who do own, if you just own a little, you just own a house, a little Airbnb, it's going to be worth a lot more 20 years from now, as far as where you are on the economic ladder. Interestingly enough, DZ, we've seen this throughout the world. Inflation is getting rampant, and I'm getting a little trouble showing this chart here, but this is a, some article from the Federal Reserve. This is showing the median house price income 
The housing bubble released a 7X on annual salary. I believe it was in 1970. The average salary was equivalent to the average price of a home. Well, now we are over seven times the annual salary to purchase a home. When you talk about getting rid of the middle class, these are the opportunities that I'm talking about. Pricing people out of the market in order to get these assets that increase over time. That's just a concern that I have. But Johnny Crypto, we got a couple of minutes left in the episode. Any thoughts on this? If it's perfect to the 2030 World Economic Forum agenda, right? And what do they say? You will own nothing and you will be happy. And that's where they're they're pushing this place, pushing us to. And when you look at that chart that you put up, Abs, I remember those times. <laughs> I was around. And the reality is, yes, a single salary, you could afford to buy a house. Now it's you know what, six, seven X. It is very, very difficult. You need two salaries now to be able to afford a house. And so the reality is that is a function of the devaluation of your dollar, which causes that, you know, less, less purchasing power. And again, that's a function of, this, of the policies we have. Just continue ever since they, they disconnected us from gold. You can just print as much money as you want at oblivion. And we all know. Yeah. Let, let me let me just share this thought. There's all right. So we've been in wars for over 20, you know, 20 years, over two decades. You have a war. There's two ways to pay for it. There's only two ways to pay for it. You either print more money or you tax your citizenry. They never tax the citizenry to pay for it. They'll just print more money. And so Absolutely. that's that's the, and now we're in a new conflict, right? We're like funding another thing. And I think it's a hundred billion right. we just passed. And and you're right. Why do they do that? Because if you tax people, well, they feel it, they know it, they see it right away. And if then they'll you, say, you know what? Let's not send those tanks. Can't yeah, have that though. Exactly. So, but if you print money, the beautiful thing is it's a silent killer. Nobody sees it. Nobody realizes, like, oh silent shit. killer. Yeah. I didn't realize like me when I eat dairy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just like, like this. just like, like the m2 money supply they just stopped reporting that in 2020 so i want to remind our listeners when they printed 40 percent of cash into circulation they decided it's not important enough to tell you about it in the future but dz just to close out this episode here we're moving into a more optimistic market 2022 is rough but 2023 is looking brighter is there a particular sector of the crypto market you believe is going to take off in 2023 we referenced ai we've talked about quantum computing maybe nfts what market in particular are you keeping an eye on and is there any project you feel like is worth referencing? Well, I think AI is pumped too hard right now. So I, I would stay away. I, I typically don't like to buy triple digit green candles. You know, that's, I see a triple digit seven day. I'm not like, oh yeah, opportunity here. That That's just not me. I, you know, and uh, to his point, about, you're having all these AI tokens that are like, gee, you know, that's not even AI. So it's like, to me, it's like, all right, the hype cycle starting to die and, you know, people are going to start getting wrecked right now. To me, I, I think DeFi is uh, going to probably have a pretty good run and, there's going to be a whole new batch of people. So it's like every cycle, there's a new class of idiots. And I'm just kind of, you know, saying that just as a blanket term. So it's going to be a whole new class of people who don't understand how, sh can I cuss? No. Okay. How shitty high APYs are. And so you're going to have a high APY. Because I remember being new into crypto. And I remember thinking, I play my DeFi conservatively. When it's like above 60% APY, that's risky for me. This is before the 20% debacle with 3AC and, you know, right, right. and everything. So we have a whole new class of idiots who's going to see 1,700% APY, and they're going to think it's a good thing. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you know, we all know that's a terrible, terrible coin to get into. You're yeah. about to get dumped on. The whales are going to eat you alive. But there's a whole new class of uh, DeFi idiots. And they're gonna they're gonna pump a lot of DeFi tokens. So I, I think there's definitely some DeFi plays. If I were to share one, I, I don't know. Martini guy puts out some good calls. Uh, I think he just shared XTP and Daffy D A F I. I think those just had a good run. But that's I think those are also like 30 day triple digit gainers. So I, I don't know. Maybe wait for a pullback or maybe try to find the next Daffy, uh, which is like 
you just want to find these things that have like staking and 10%, 20%, 40%. I think there's some plays here. Yeah. I think it's straight DJ. I think what's important is DZ talked about, you know, we saw those charts too. So important, guys, to make sure you have an exit plan. When you get into something, know how you're going to get out, right? That, and that's why we invented Merlin, right? Take the emotion out of it, set your target. You don't need Merlin, but just do it on your own if you have to. Have a play to get out. So when those green bars start pumping, we know they're unsustainable long term. Make sure you're taking some profits. Abs for GRT, to be honest with you, I saw it pumping. You know what? I got out yesterday. I, you know, so I had an exit plan, dumped 30% of it, now own the rest of it for free. It is like, it's like it's beautiful because now you basically have barely no skin in the game and you've got that one. And that's the goal. If you can own a lot of these cryptocurrencies in the future and own them for nothing or almost nothing because you're taking advantage of these short pump plays, why not set yourself up in the future to have a bunch of different ones with very, very minimal capital in the game, but a lot of upside potential when the next bull run comes. So for me, that's why I'm excited about this, this next leg coming up. DZ, before we let you go, I just had another question that came to mind. We've talked about Decentraland. We've talked about Sandbox, and we've got other tokens in that same light. What are you anticipating for Gala and D? sorry, not Gala, for decentralized um, metaverses and those types of projects? We know Gala is one of our favorites. We actually own a node, me and Johnny Crypto. We have Gala nodes, which is really exciting because we're, we're, we're invested in the infrastructure of what they're building. What does it mean to you? Is there any projects in the gaming sector? Um, so how, how much Gala do you market dump a month? Um, just enough to pay my bills. Okay. Okay. No, no, All right. That's, that's what I'll say about D that's what I'll say about that. Uh, well, I, I think there is a lot of hype in it right now. I think we are going to see a second bull run. Uh, we saw the huge, huge bull run in metaverses when Facebook announced the $10 billion, billion dollars every year, all these 10,000 engineers in Europe or whatever. And so boom, big, big price spikes. Now this is nine months later, a year later. So things have kind of cooled down. Yeah. We're going to see another one. Uh, if you look at GitHub, uh, interactions, Sand is really pumping. I don't know if it's Apple engineers. I don't know if you saw the Apple is teaming up with Sand uh, and their mana token. So I think there is going to be a big Apple announcement, and then that's going to lead to a huge run. And so yep. maybe find the next mana, Sand, Gala. What's the next thing? You know, so you can kind of do the the Coin Gecko strategy. It's like you type in AI on Coin Gecko, Coin Market Cap. And it's, it's bringing you coins that aren't even Book AI, but other people are going to do the same thing. And they're going to say, damn it, mana has pumped, sand has pumped, gala has pumped. What's the next market cap? And so I, I think that's where I would be looking for opportunity. I'd be looking for the, the number seven, the number eight, the number 10 play. Maybe you can go like the number 20, number 30, but that's a lot riskier. You know, that will have the higher upside. Uh, so you maybe spread that out a little bit thinner. I'd be looking at metaverses five through 10. Thank you so much, DZ. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Gonzo. And thank you to DZ. We got 340 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, DZ. Yep. Thanks, Dad. All right. Yeah, I think it was good.